If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Patron uh, saint of patience. You, you, you <laughs> pray to her when, uh, when you screw everything up in your own life and you need to kick meetings back a half hour, Tommy. And, uh, but yet again, always with the patience of a saint, and thus you are now the patron saint of patience, Miss Lopez, for all the new listeners, because now that we've been on Rumble since August, or, you know, banned from YouTube, I actually am growing exponentially, much like a podcast would if it wasn't being suppressed. So I can actually say, for all of the new listeners, please introduce yourself, Miss Lopez. This is great news. I'm glad to hear it, and uh, thank you, and as always, glad to be with you again. Absolutely. Um, so what what is on the forefront today? What, why do you think we're seeing um, – I'll just start and you can take it in any direction you want. I mean we've got the kind of the same old Ukraine, all right, yeah, sure. But um, right now, what do you think is going on with – it seems to be this mixture of things that I didn't necessarily predict happening. You have these sort of bigger figures coming out now and saying – you know, maybe the man, you know, maybe times have changed. Maybe we don't need the mask mandates. They're saving face. Um, why are they doing that when they've so boldly been shoving it down our throats for two years? And yesterday I talked to Dr. Pam Popper, who is, uh, I believe her company is suing a lot of these doctors or a lot of these uh, companies that have been doing this and, and politicians, excuse me. But um, she said that she thinks it's because a lot of uh, the voting processes across the nation have been buttoned up, not as much as we'd like, but more. And thus, it might actually be a fair election in 2022. And gasp, that means you actually have to have favorable policies. That's kind of her theory on it. Uh, I like it, but I'm also uh, a sucker for optimism. Why do you think we're kind of seeing this weird, really just not even the United States, but kind of across the globe? Or we can talk about the truckers who I had on some truckers called in from their from their rigs last Wednesday. They called into the podcast, so that was cool. Which way do you want to take this? Well, I, I will tell you about the uh, start at home here, right? Um, and and the, the the flip in in these uh, blue blue states like California, New Jersey, New York, and some others. Um, in a word, the reason polls. Okay, polls. Um, Whatever you think of, of, of polling and surveys, um, in the aggregate, the overall, you know, trend for all of them is straight down the tubes uh, for the Dems. Uh, they can read polls as well as anybody else. And there is, of course, uh, the midterm elections coming up in November of this year in 2022. And they know that it's going to be um, a tsunami uh, for for the Republicans, for the red, uh, they know that uh, they're 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 kind of slow off the mark, but we kind of always knew that. But they're trying now, kind of desperately, to paddle and 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 catch up somehow to the electorate, which already in big numbers has already left them far behind. But to connect this to the broader uh, phenomena that are going on across the world and, and certainly right across our northern border in, in Canada, wow, those truckers are something, aren't they? I mean, what an amazing bunch of people. I mean, I have a lot of friends up in Canada, and uh, what everybody says is these are the nicest people on the face of the earth. Well, yeah. But, but you push them too far, and even Canadians can be pushed too far and that's what's happened under the tyrannical rule um, of the communist, there's another way, way to put it, communist ruler of Canada, uh, Justin Trudeau. You push them and, and they finally, something broke. Yeah. Um, and, and they're pushing back. And, um, you know, I've been watching the videos probably like you have too, Tommy, on uh, social media and, and elsewhere. And 
you know, it's not just the truckers. It began with the truckers. The convoy that started out west in British Columbia and drove all the way, the way across the country to the east and, you know, wound up in Ottawa and Parliament Hill and throughout the downtown Ottawa area. But since then, you've got the farmers in their uh, great big farm equipment, you know, um, uh, the tractors and the combines and the harvesters and I don't know what else. You've got the cowboys on horseback, like hundreds of them. And what's really heartening to see uh, is, is, is the response of the ordinary people, the citizens of Ottawa, who are defying um, the tyranny uh, and, and, and the brutality, really, of the Ottawa police. I, I, I'm sure you saw that uh, film of the Ottawa police manhandling that little what old man. man. Yeah. All of four foot ten, uh, you know, maybe 90 pounds dripping wet, uh, what, 78 years old, great grandfather. I mean, that was just unbelievable brutality to watch. And the whole world has seen that now. But so you've got the people uh, like him. Now that, that, that little old man, all he ever did was honk his horn and give a thumbs up to a trucker, but others in Ottawa um, are providing the food and the fuel and whatever other supplies, you know, uh, that the, uh, the truckers need for this extended period of time, it's two weeks now that they're there. And um, even after the Ottawa police chief, who's, I mean, just a piece of work, tyrannical, authoritarian, I mean, communist, um, you know, saying that, that, that the police would be arresting people who tried to bring food and supplies and fuel you had parades of people. Yeah. I, I'm sure you saw this one too, <laughs> yeah. carrying the jerry cans, those red, um, yeah, the gas cans. you know, cans, and you know, some were empty, and and maybe some had fuel. But the whole point was, you know, confusion to the enemy. Right? Oh, I didn't know that. That's brilliant. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, dozens and dozens of them walking through the streets with 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 the jerry cans. Maybe some had fuel in. Maybe some didn't. But that's the whole point. So I guess where I'm going with all of this is the bigger picture is that in Canada, in the United States and other places around the world, because there are trucker convoys forming in places you might not have thought. Austria, um, Australia, New Zealand, Netherlands and more, uh, as well as possibly uh, here in the United States, too starting out west, I think in California, maybe other places as starting points too. But the point the point of all of this, I think, is that we've been in a in a in a standoff, in a in a fight, in a battle mm-hmm. um, between the forces of tyranny, whatever form that may take, uh, be it communist, be it socialist, be it Islamic, whatever form that tyranny takes, battle against the people. Yeah. Right? The, the the ordinary common people, and in particular in in Western, you know, liberal democratic style um, societies like ours and Canada's, where people still have constitutions, charter of rights and freedoms, bill of rights, and expectations that government exists for the one and only sole purpose of guaranteeing our natural born rights enunciated in documents like those. So we still have that expectation uh, where other places that may have been under tyranny for so much longer, like China, they don't have that expectation of fulfillment of, of, of these guarantees and promises, but we do. And so people are rising up and um, it's the working level people, right? It's the working class, these farmers, these truckers, and the people coming to help them. And so uh, it, it's kind of ironic to watch the totalitarian socialists, uh, not so much for the proletariat anymore. <laughs> All right. Now that the proletariat is actually, are we are demanding our rights. Um, yeah. All of a sudden, the, you know, the, 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 the champions of the proletarian just uh, not so much anymore. So that that's it, kind of broad view where I think I see things right now. 
what a surprise. It doesn't pan out like they said it was going to pan out. I mean, you would have thought through all the other successful Marxist dictatorships in the last century that this too would have worked. Huh. But uh, yeah, yeah. Workers of the World, it was the Harry Chapin, Chapin, it was the move, the whatever the dictator was, the silent, you know, the speech. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Who's the famous actor from like the 20s or 30s? Harry Chapin, Chapin? He does, he plays Hitler in a, like a, in a movie or something. Oh, you uh, mean Charlie Chaplin. Charlie Chaplin. Harry. Harry was Charlie his lesser-known brother. Charlie Chaplin. No, Harry was his... I was thinking of the guy that wrote the Cats in the <laughs> that Cradle. That was his cousin. Now, who's the guy that wrote the Cats in the Cradle and the Silver Spoon? That's not important. Charlie. But what's the great speech he says at the end? Or, no idea. Goes on this great big speech, and it's wonderful, and it ends with workers of the world unite, right? Which is the motto of, of the communist. Yes. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Yes, right? but it's a great... But that's, it's a great and now they have... And it's, the communists don't care for it so much, do they? Yeah, as workers of the world unite. Not like that. Don't do that. <laughs> you know, no, not this we way. We didn't tell you to do that. We didn't. No, <laughs> not that way. The, us. the other way. But there is there is kind of, um, I saw a tweet, I think, this morning. And it was um, like, don't celebrate too much because it, it's like we're winning the COVID. People think we've won the COVID war. One, we haven't won it. We're winning. And two, it's a battle what the battle has done, and I think it worded it greatly, is it woke a, pe- a lot of people up mm-hmm. to the fact that we're mm-hmm. in a war. And not just with China, like Brigadier General Robert Spaulding's stealth war, but rather, like you said, the forces of tyranny. Is it in 1920s and is it columns of tanks? Or is it in 2020 with uh, COVID passports and misinformation tags on your YouTube videos? It takes every form. It, it's it's like a demon throughout the ages, possess, you know, they, they, you know, like uh, the exorcism of Emily Rose, like the demon at the end is like it comes out and it's kind of naming figures throughout history. It occupied Judas, it occupied Hitler, it occupied. But the idea is that it's a thing. It's a hand that that goes in many different puppets. And that's the same thing with tyranny. It It's the same not self-rule, as Dr. Federer says, not self-rule citizen, meaning co-king. It's rather the rule from the top down as the king. And it will always be coming up, whether pharaohs or whether someone's saying you can't take your trucks to Ottawa. But so the reasoning is, is, is why now? And one hand, you could say because it's been two years. But by that logic, because that's not my logic, by that logic, you'd say, well, they've been eroding our liberties for 40, 50, 60 years. So why now? It's because you can only push so far to the point where as 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 Don says, and you've been on Don's podcast before. As Don says, it used to always be, I can't I can't fight back. I can't be an activist because I have a wife and children. And now it's turning into I have to do this because I have a wife and children. And it's almost like an equation. the 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 more you have to live for, the less likely you are to fight back. I've got a cushy job. I've got, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to mess with that. But as it's being peeled away, okay, well now you can't do this. Now you can't do that. Now you can't go outside. Now you can't go to the store. Now you can't speak your mind. I'm peeling it away and peeling it away and peeling it away. So you're slowly looking at whatever it is left that you have. And you're like, Hey man, I got nothing to lose except for my wife and kids. So I think that's why in my, armchair psychologist or armchair general viewpoint. I think that's why you're seeing it more is it's because it's like, guys, there's nowhere else to go. I mean, that's what the truckers were saying. It was last Wednesday, several like in like a convoy, they were all calling into like one truck who had like some sort of receiver and they were able to call into the podcast. And so I was doing a podcast with them and that's what they're all kind of saying is like, there's not, you know, well, what happens if you go to jail? They're like, good. At least I'll have food and water and a bed. Like we, I don't have, we don't have anything. So that's why I think it's happening. But to bring it back locally, and I guess bring it back to the topic of uh, one of my first suspensions ever, actually my first suspension ever, Miss Claire Lopez getting me a suspension for uh, last April on YouTube for talking about election fraud. 
none of this would matter if the elections were completely controlled. It's like, screw them, whatever. We're just going to take the election. The fact that they're pivoting to me says that something has happened to where elections are now are now actually fair and representations of the people, unlike 2020, where it was clearly stolen. What are your thoughts on that? Is it is it kind of fair now? So now they have to now they're scrambling. Oh, because otherwise you wouldn't care what the polls say. I control the Dominion machines. They can give me a zero percent rating. I don't you know what Stalin say. It doesn't matter how many people votes. It matters who counts the votes. What are your thoughts on that? Well, we've we've come, we, the American people, have come a long way since November of 2020 in terms of understanding what happened in those elections, in terms of correcting uh, the abuses or the possibility for abuses, um, outlawing things like ballot harvesting and, um, uh, you know, mail-in balloting without any kind of restrictions or any kind of, I don't know, uh, you know, rules, uh, signature matching and that sort of thing. Um, you know, all those collection boxes. And uh, a lot of people have been working really hard over this last uh, year and more, coming on, what, a year and a half, I suppose, almost now, in uncovering what actually went on there, collecting the affidavits, collecting the videos. The videos are really uh, eye-opening. And then going through legal processes, like we see in Arizona, for example, you know, led by uh, really... um, just terrific legislators, um, you know, like like uh, Mark Fincham, uh, like Sonny Borelli, uh, like Judy Burgess, uh, people from both sides, the House side and the Senate side of the local legislature in, in Arizona. And uh, they've collected a tremendous amount of, of information um, and, and really, I mean, damning evidence of massive fraud and cheating that absolutely, yes, could, would uh, overturn uh, those particular states' electoral counts. And a resolution has now been uh, submitted um, uh, to the Arizona legislature uh, to withdraw their electoral votes, their electors, from the November 2020 election. We'll see where that goes. Um, but you know, you've got tremendous leadership like that, um, in, in, in places, yeah, like Arizona, but it's not the only place. Um, Carrie Lake, of course, there as well, running for governor. What a terrific candidate she is. Uh, I think she'd make a terrific governor. What, what's her name? Uh, Carrie Lake, K-A-R-I Lake, L-A-K-E. I'm going to make a note of that right now. She comes out of journalism. She was a, a TV presenter, anchor, I guess. And uh, she is now running for governor and she is terrific. Look her up. Yeah. yeah, yeah Republican. Just made, just made a note of it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but other states too. It's not just Arizona. It's just that they've gone maybe, um, you know, deeper and, and, and uh, faster than some of the other states. But uh, you've got courts now weighing in, in various places, where it seemed for a long time that they hesitated and just didn't want to get involved. So they would, you know, wash their hands of it by saying, oh, well, you don't have standing or whatever excuse. But but now, little by little, um, some of these courts, appeals courts in states are are beginning to weigh in, um, you know, with, with, with judgments that, have obviously taken a look. They've taken into account the the evidence presented to them, which they hadn't done before. Yeah, so maybe that will maybe that will be it then. Because again, that's one thing I've. I mean, I know you and I have talked about that and, and forever, nauseatingly. And so the candidates have had Joe Kent has said on here a million times. Yeah, like not not none of the things we're talking about matter unless they're unless the voting is fair. Um, but to me, the fact that the fact that you see you see more and more public officials kind of coming out and saying like, well, things are changing now and maybe we don't need <laughs> mandates. And it's part of me is like, are these just is this just details all this time? Just slime ball politicians, you know, finger in the air, which way is the wind? I don't support gay marriage. I do support. And it's like 
that's not necessarily nefarious. That's just kind of like, yeah, it's a spineless politician. Marriage between a man and a woman. No, it's not. And then I'm for the Iraq war. No, I wasn't. It's slimy. It's 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 crappy. But it's I would almost rather like the kind of evil you know. Like yeah, okay, I get it, sure. But it also might seem like there is some backtracking to kind of jump on the other side, or it might be, and this is what I also think it is, is it's you know like the quote, "It costs nothing to be the second patriot." It's now becoming. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the first kind of like public, uh, I guess, inkling you saw of this, like a, like a buoy offshore kind of registering like a swell in water indicating a tsunami. I think the first one was like John Stewart on Colbert show like three or four months ago, making fun of, uh, you know, Wuhan coronavirus lab. And you saw it with Barry Weiss. But and now, you know, the whole public is their eye is just focused on Rogan someone that no one's cared about for a decade. I started listening to him in December 2011. No one's cared about him for a decade. Until now. And the eye is focusing on him, and now more and more people are coming out about it. You have a bunch of guys whose entire career is responsible, or uh, they're, they're dependent on Rogan. Rogan made them. He, he launched them into the limelight. And they all know that. And they're all coming out and defending him. Do you think that might just be an aspect of it, which I guess in itself would probably be like the most positive outcome? Like, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just general the shift in pulp. You know, I'm not for desegregation, and then like as the decades go on, you're like, yeah, yeah you know, maybe we should all just be together in the same school. You know, it, it, here's what I see happening in in both uh, as we talked about uh, elections um, and now in public health, and, and they're linked. I think. And, and the linkage is that through diligence and, and research and stick to persistence on the part of so many patriotic Americans, the data is coming out. So as far as the elections go, I was talking about Arizona, talk about other places. The data, the evidence is finally making it through to the public consciousness as well as some of our courts. Same thing with public health. We've had two years of data now. Didn't have that, you know, a year ago. And so people who uh, were really ahead of the curve, you know, smart medical experts, doctors like Peter McCullough uh-huh. and Robert uh, Malone yeah. and, um, you know, Harvey Risch and uh, 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 um, what's his name? Zelenko, Dr. Zelenko, Zelenko. Free. Um, Lee Merritt, um, uh, Merrick. You know, there's so many who were talking about this a year ago, but they weren't listened. They were shut down. They were stifled. But now the data coming out of even the, I mean, totally corrupt to the core public health, um, uh, agencies like uh, the CDC, like um, the NIH, I mean, absolutely corrupt to the core. But even they can't deny the data that is flooding out now. And that data is being seen and um, understood with, with, with help by a whole lot of Americans. And, and they realize, you know, what a scam this whole thing was. What a what a power play. Uh, not that the virus itself was was a hoax or a scam. It's very yeah. real. Yeah, sure. And, and, and lots of people got sick and died of it. That's true. Yeah. But the suppression of early treatment, as especially Dr. Malone talks about, but also Peter McCullough does, too, and others. Um, Dr. Rich does, too. The suppression of early treatment um, and the single minded focus on uh, brand new, untested, 
I mean, to this day, lacking pro proper safety protocol uh, uh, testing that really needs to take many years. There's a reason why uh, drugs, medicines, treatments, vaccines take five to 10 years. It's because that's how long you need to know what the effects will be over time for people and different categories of people, the very young, um, the youth co cohort in the middle, let's say, uh, working age people, older people, very elderly people. Those are distinct populations. Different races. And each one of those has to be followed and tested with whatever you're, you're, you're talking about for years. So, you know, warp speed is great on the Starship Enterprise, but <laughs> when you're talking about a brand new genetic therapy, I... I think that was a mistake to rush so so fast. But the other part of that, of course, was, um, you know, the, the the Trump administration rushed because they wanted to help. They wanted to help the American people. They wanted to get something out there that would, you know, counter uh, the spread of the uh, of the virus. But there were lots of other players, yeah. as we now know, data coming out, um, who had personal um, financial investment shall we say yeah uh, in some of these things like the multi 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 millionaire uh dr saint fauci yeah bless his name um yeah. the 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 amount of greed and venality involved in 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 uh bringing to market so fast these brand new untested safety protocol be damned um treatments genetic therapy treatments, which is what the mRNA air quotes vaccine is. Um, there's that side of it. You know, there were those who were rushing because they just wanted to help the American people, uh, you know, and, and others, I mean, around the world too, um, you know, to defeat this thing or at least fight it. But others had a lot more uh, greedy, venal, personal uh, motivations for doing what they've done. And now we know that it's coming out. I've, uh, I've kind of been like formulating this idea over the last couple months. And like, the first thing is, is like, you know, the VAERS data is disgusting. Right. And the, you know, the kids, the issues with kids, not to mention just the whole ethics and, you know, of, of gaslighting people of coercion of firing them from your jobs, you know, belittling them as Dr. Oddity Bargava, who I've had on here, three times now, who's the head of mRNA research at UCSF, actually worked on the Biden campaign, is is, mm -hmm. is very liberal. And she knows that I'm not. But she's come on here because she was so disgusted yeah. at listening to Biden mm -hmm. say it's a it's a it's a um, pandemic of the unvaccinated. She was like, that yeah. is just against everything that even a regardless of doctor, she's like that a leader yeah. should say she was like, how do you unify? But um, with that. So that's one thing. So just the use of it, right? You know, ethically bad, morally bad. You're making people feel bad. The president's kind of belittling you. The second thing is, and it's like the much bigger elephant in the room, is it's not to make light of the 23,000 deaths on VAERS, but when you have Dr. McCullough saying suppression of early treatment means that 85% of the deaths I could have been that. prevented. Dr. Fareed says his data says 99%. So Gosh. we're looking at, what twice as many uh, U.S. deaths as all soldier as all United States soldier deaths in World War II? So there's a crime against humanity. But to me, obviously the financial incentive, right? Pfizer made thirty-six point five billion dollars in profit or revenue off the COVID nineteen vaccine last year, according to Axios. So that's a huge thing. But you started to point it out, and I, I actually brought it up uh, the other day with a doctor. But you just kind of pulled me back in as tested. Right. Different age groups, people with uh -huh. different health issues and different uh -huh. races. We have di different, you know, uh, people of like pure like Korean uh, descent can't drink as much alcohol. They don't have as much alcohol de dehydrogenase enzymes. Me, uh -huh. a white Irish guy. Hey, I don't do too well in the sun. Right. There are genetic differences <laughs> and that not just on how well we sunburn. Uh, what we, uh, I mean, let me jump in. Sure. Just talk, talking about that. One great big determinant, as we've found now, um, of susceptibility, vulnerability to uh, infection and illness from this virus 
uh, has to do with vitamin D. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, those who have uh, darker skin, darker skin evolved in humans over the eons, eons. Yeah. Uh, to protect uh, people from the harmful rays of the sun. But in places in the northern latitudes where there's not so much sun in, in the first place, and that's where a lot of us fairer skinned <laughs> folks uh, descend from, our, our families, ancestors. Us ghosts. Uh, you know, we need all the sun we can get because it, 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 it activates and enables the vitamin D in our, in our systems uh, to act and, and to, to, to uh, behave the way it needs to behave to protect us in various different ways of the immune system. Well, um, when darker skinned folks um, who are resistant to you know, sunlight, uh, they very often develop vitamin D deficiencies. Mm-hmm. And this is a key indicator for those who fared fare, uh, the worst uh, with the course of, of, of uh, COVID, of the disease. But people didn't talk about that, did they? I don't know if they knew it early on, let's say in the year 2020, maybe not. Maybe they didn't realize that connection. Um, but a lot of the doctors since then, uh, they certainly do, the three who, who co sponsored, authored uh, the Great Barrington Declaration, yeah, Sinetra Gupta yeah. and, um, and Martin Kulldorff and Jay Bhattacharya. Uh, they know that and they try to get it out to people. Um, but again, information like that, really useful, specific, medically sound information and, and, and guidance like that, you know, was crushed. It was just suppressed. And that's criminal. Yeah. Absolutely criminal. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the, that's that all falls in like the second tier of the conspiracy is talking about. first is forcing the vaccine all the meth- um, the moral and ethical dilemmas with that and all of the myocarditis the strokes the mm-hmm. uh, Guillain-Barre syndrome that's that's one the bigger one is suppression of existing proven generic cheap and widely easily distributed in existing stockpile of drugs like ivermectin and supplements and the things that are yeah. not even drugs oh, yeah the, the, you know like a vitamin d the very video i got permanently banned from youtube for dr mccullough saying hey regardless of the vaccine everyone should be taking turmeric quercetin vitamin d and zinc that was the one that got me the axe so even those right so just all early treatment regardless of drugs ivermectin hydroxychloroquine or just going to walmart and spending seven dollars a month that's the second one the third sphere that i think and this is all, this is a working hypothesis right now, so I, I don't know. But it's everything we're talking about right now. Whether, I mean, my friend in college, my pre-med friend, uh, Sung Yup from Korea, he would go out, he, he, we'd have one beer, and uh, that's all he could have throughout the night. He loved it, because he was like, I just like, he's like, no, my family, we can't digest alcohol. So he would just get shit-faced mm. off a of beer. It was great. He was like, no, you don't have to spend any money. It was great. But, <laughs> right? But, and, then you have, and then you have these, you know, these Irish pigs like me, who can, you know, down 30 beers, and I'm fine. Every, and everything in between, that's probably an exaggeration, but everything in between. Some people with, you know, I'm like one gene off from having red hair. My older brother has red hair. There's like a new study coming out that says people with red hair, it's actually also indicative of they are a little more resistant to uh, certain anesthesia drugs. And that's like relatively hmm. new. But they're all, you know, he's lactose intolerant. They're all kind of, hmm. we all have, it's not just that some of us are black and white or blue eyes or brown eyes. Those also mean that there's there are not not as wildly different as our appearances, but there are differences in how our actual bodies work. Okay, so if we have that whole array, right, and as you said, that's why we can't just bring out this new technology. We have to know how it works on everyone. What about young? What about middle age? What about older? What about pre or post uh, menstruation? What about pre or post menopause? What about men going through uh, 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 puberty? All these different things. And what about Koreans to Africans to Americans and everything in between. Yeah. How can one thing fit all? Well, this is kind of my, again, working conspiracy based on nothing but my own observations. I think that the real money maker obviously is sales, right? $36.5 billion for Pfizer. But what they keep saying is, and they, they were saying this before COVID, is the new era of vaccination and drug delivery systems is mRNA. 
So it's not just that it's a new phone. It's it's not that the iPhone's better than the whatever. It's the new era of touchscreen flat phones versus flip phones. Which is, which is fine in and of itself. If you think about the mRNA as, I don't know, the pickup truck. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. That's just a pickup truck. What matters is, what's, is what you put in the cargo bed. But you, so you hit on What it. are you sending into the body? Not just the, the truck. What's what's the cargo? So, so that's that's the difference. And it could be many different things. So you're and hit- in this case, it was something very, very, very harmful. Uh, the spike protein of uh, the SARS-CoV-2. So you're hit. You're hitting on exactly what I'm getting to. Yes, that's a huge thing. Is it is it, is it SARS-CoV-2? Is it the spike protein? Is it vitamin A? Is it electric? It's whatever it is. I think that the entire dump truck technology, how do you find out how it works on everyone? If it costs $15 billion. Well, that's why it's supposed to take five to 10 years. And that's why I think is. And the they didn't big, do that. That's what I think the even bigger picture is, is they just got a trillion dollars in free R&D on how it interacted with people of every race, every background, every age, every comorbidity. That's what I think the giant picture is, is how well or what does the dump truck do? That's what but I that's think. That's just the vehicle. Again, that's just, that's just the, the, the vehicle. But if that's the vehicle that and we're going to be using. it could be using, a perfectly good vehicle. Yes, no, and I agree with you. But if that's but the vehicle they're going to be using for the next century, the get all the free R&D instead of having to figure yeah. out how well. That's kind of my giant picture well the greed factor again of course of course yeah and when you allow so much of united states government health funds uh coming coming through health and human services the cabinet department but down to the nih uh, national institutes of health and from there down into the niaid Uh Um, Anthony Fauci's uh, National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Disease, and you allow that many gazillions of billions of dollars to be under the authority of one individual, that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, thank you. Thank thank you for being patient with my, my, my tinfoil again. No, no, you're you're right. You're onto it. Um, So now, all this being said, we haven't really touched on it, and I don't know, maybe it's just dying down or maybe I am as guilty as the rest of the public as having the same uh, short-term memory of a uh, – or short-term, short-term attention span of a goldfish. Is there anything further developing in Ukraine? Well, nothing um, urgent or imminent, it would seem. Um, statements of, you know uh, – Cool your jets, still coming from the president of Ukraine, Volodymyr Zelensky. Um, what is happening is that the forces um, arrayed around Ukraine to the north, Belarus, to the east, Russia, uh, still number somewhere, and it's very hard to get a firm fix on the numbers, but somewhere upwards of 120,000, maybe 150,000 troops altogether. Not completely sure. Plus the the weaponry. Uh, You know, that continues to remain in place. Things come in. Uh, Additionally, sometimes more equipment, more more supplies or or capabilities. Um, But there's no more um, immediate, imminent indication that an invasion is around the corner. There isn't. But meanwhile, various talks continue. Um, Emmanuel Macron, the, the president, uh, I'm sorry, the, the, the prime minister of France was in, uh, I guess he went to Moscow, didn't he? To meet with uh, Vladimir Putin and try to uh, tamp things down. Uh, other talks continue in other venues. Um, and, and really, it seems to be a kind of a, a standoff. What Russia wants, what Putin wants, is a restructuring of the post-Cold War era uh, architecture, if you will, in Europe, meaning that Russia should be allowed some kind of acknowledgement of its interests, security and otherwise, in what it would call its near abroad, meaning 
those places that were either formerly under the Warsaw Pact or actually like Ukraine within the Soviet Union itself. Um, And that NATO should not advance any further to the east because wherever NATO does add a new member, uh, given that member country's agreement, NATO could position nuclear weapons Mm -hmm. on their soil. And I think we've talked about this before, but if such were to happen, not likely, by the way, not going to happen, but were it to be uh, Ukraine to be to become a NATO member, the possibility from from Moscow's perspective is there could be nukes on that territory within five minutes flying distance of Moscow. Yeah. Um, now, that doesn't excuse for one second, you know, the aggression, the belligerence, no. um, uh, you know, of 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 uh, Putin and Moscow, not at all. But maybe this is what the talks are, you know, focusing on, uh, that there has to be a balance. And in any case, I was reading a piece uh, by um, David Goldman, who sometimes goes by the pseudonym Spengler when he writes columns at the Asia Times, asiatimes.com. And a recent one, uh, he, he's got this, this, um, this funny little uh, structure for his columns. Uh, it used to be that he was consulting a Ouija board, and the dialogue between him and the Ouija board would be uh, the content of the column, right? Well, this time, in one from just a couple weeks ago, uh, he's talking to the ghost of Cardinal Richelieu, you know, the French uh, cardinal from, from way back. And um, Richelieu is telling him, you know, Putin may just have done NATO a favor. And David says, what? What? How could you possibly say such a thing? Oh, calm down, grasshopper. Well, not grasshopper, but you know. Yeah. And Richelieu then says, think about this. NATO has not kept up with its military um, defense position, uh, expenditures, weapons, training. They cannot defend, NATO in Europe cannot defend right now the territory it's already bitten off or included into the treaty. They can't. And perhaps this focuses NATO's attention on, well, how much have we bitten off and how much can we realistically, you know, if we get our act together, um, realistically, credibly uh, defend in terms of territory. And maybe it's not the entirety of Eastern Europe. Yeah. This is what Richler is telling in the conversation sure. to David Goldman, right? Um, but at the same time, uh, we can see that, that, you know, Putin's aggression and belligerence has already gained him some uh, objectives that, that he wanted to achieve. Splitting NATO, uh, exposing its fissures, Germany, for example, even though the new uh, chancellor, um, Stoltz, uh, Olaf Scholz, Scholz, is trying to, you know, patch that up. But nevertheless, exposed fissures within NATO, um, horned himself, you know, onto the world stage, himself, Putin, onto the world stage where uh, everybody has to come to him to talk and to resolve this. Um, And also, finally, that it exposed, uh, for Ukraine's benefit, uh, the oligarchs and the corrupt. I mean, it's a a democratic system, but very much in process yet. They got a ways to go, but exposed uh, for that leadership in Ukraine that no NATO and the United States are not the cavalry coming over the hill, and they're not going to expend blood and treasure to save you. You're going to have to solve this by yourself. You're not a member of NATO and not likely to be anytime soon, uh, primarily for two reasons, I would say. Number one, Ukraine does not control the entirety of its own sovereign borders, sovereign territory. And number two, it has not yet reached... Uh, a status of rule of law uh, as other members of NATO uh, and, the, and the treaty itself, you know, w- would demand. Yeah. Um, so all of those things. Yeah. It's also, uh, there also is that sort of like very real issue of 
like you wanna, and I know I got you for five more minutes, so I'll 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 make it quick. Like you wanna, you wanna push, push, push. You always want to have the advantage, like you said. I mean, the missiles five minutes away flight time, just like the Russians would put up put their subs right off the coast. Of well, in, in, in Russians in Kaliningrad, for example. I mean, that's what we ought to be putting up against Putin. Okay, you don't want nukes on your border. Well, the 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 Baltic states, Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, they don't want you on their doorstep in Kaliningrad either. So let's talk about this. Yeah. That's what we should be saying. Yeah, it's, you know, it's it's like the backdoor deal. Take them out of Cuba, we'll take them out of Turkey. Mm-hmm. It's like there's this weird sort of like, like, well, not maybe bell curve. You're going up, you're going up. You want to be right there. You want to be able to take out your enemy. You want it to be over. You want the war to be over before it starts. However, you also don't want to, destabilize like mutual assured destruction was it was it was stabilizing yeah but but that that deterrence is only works if it's credible yes and right now how credible i'll leave it as a question yeah how credible is nato how credible is the current leadership in washington dc that's a good point as well yeah i mean on one side you don't want to you know wasn't that um Who's his face? Who's the? Who did Reagan? Gorbachev? Not Gorbachev. I'm I'm having a brain fart. Who's what do you the, mean? Who Who did Reagan meet with in Reykjavik to do the? Gorbachev. Okay, it was Gorbachev. Okay, it was Gorbachev. Yeah, that's, Mikhail Gorbachev. That's why you know Gorbachev was so against SDI. He's like, if we see you building it and we know it's going to be effective, we know that we it isn't mutual shared destruction. And some of the people in Reagan's camp were like, hey, if they see us building this impenetrable shield, they might want to act preemptively before we can build it. So there is this sort of destabilizing. You almost don't want to juke the other guy into something. On the other hand, there has to be credible – there has to be a credible threat. It can't be they're not going to mm-hmm. do anything. you got to be rolling in the guys, the cruise missiles, putting the bombers on alert, putting them on the runway. Like you move, we're going to kill you. And it's a fine balance. It's or Actually even having weaponry that's not 30 to 50 years old. Yeah, that too. But That would help. It might have been that, you know, much like I do see the benefit in uh, the totalitarian overreach and abuse of COVID and the, and the public or the tyranny that's been disguised as a public health response. I actually do see a benefit of it. I see it as a, no pun intended, as a sort of inoculation that will lead mm. to our our, our uh, collective immune system. We, I are, hope so. we are now all working against censorship, something we never talked about. We are now all working yeah. against censorship. Yeah. We now have citizens going to Ottawa. We now have people banding together. We now have people tightening up the election processes. When you poke something, if you know, be- come for the king, you best not miss. If you go for it and mess it up, that system yeah, very tightens. Good. Very good points. So yeah. th- I think you, I think that's what you were saying Agreed. with NATO. It's kind of tightening. It's like, do we have all this? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, you know, back to David Goldman's column, um, you know, ha- has Putin actually not only achieved those objectives that I mentioned, those three, which expose weakness, but also then prodded favor. and poked NATO to, oh, well, maybe we better, you know, get our act together, coalesce, be- become a little more cohesive and uh, consolidate what we already have before we go grabbing for more to, to, to bite off. And it's, and I know I got to let you go, but, but you got to think Putin's not a stupid guy. He had to have known that would have been the result. What was the, what was that? Not necessarily. He may not have realized. I don't know. I don't know. It's a, Um, if he did, it's interesting. Why would he do that? What was that? I don't think he would. Okay. I don't think he would have. I think he perhaps miscalculated, miscalculated a little bit uh, that his belligerence would get him the three you know, objectives that I named he already got, but maybe not. And, and we don't even know yet for sure that this will is our, will be happening, that NATO will stiffen up. Mm. We don't know that. We, we can hope that. Uh, we would like that to be the outcome. But so we don't know if Putin is miscalculated yet or not. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Uh, real quick analogy. Uh, it's like a, like a couple months after JFK was killed, DARPA secretly took under uh, of, of their many projects. One of them was um, what to do immediately around the president when he's giving a speech. And one of them was to have 
a sort of like a like almost like a fan over them with like one metal like pipe, but it would be whirring so fast you wouldn't be able to see it. But it would, it, was, it moved fast enough that it, it rotated enough that a bullet wouldn't be able to go by it. So you'd have this sort of almost invisible metal shield, just one thing whirring. Another thing they did was they started to put these um these like imperceptible fans at the base of the flags behind them to throw off the wind. So if you're a sniper and you're calibrating and you go, okay, winds at whatever southeast at two miles, they would they would push it the other side. And then a third oh. thing they wanted to do was they had these weird kind of like infrared furnace strips. And so it would actually, when you're looking at a, like asphalt in the summer and it, it warps the image, the heat, they the wanted heat to warp. But that all came within like two months and still classified whether or not it was used within Lee Harvey killing. Huh. So he came for the king and hit, but the office of the presidency now adapts. So it's like once you do, once you hijack planes, you kind of you can't really do a 9-11 anymore because of everything that we, all the security precautions we have. So that's what I think was the point I was trying to make with everything. I is, gotcha. Yeah. Come for it, dude. If you don't do it. If you don't do it right, that avenue's gone forever, and that thing is tightened up now. So, but yeah, and again, Claire, the patron saint of patience, listening to my rambling conspiracies, <laughs> Miss Claire Lopez. As always, I will put all your writings, all of your websites, all of your links in the description. Everyone, go check her out. Please read her stuff; it's great. Follow her on Twitter, or just tune in every Thursday to listen to Claire Lopez. Unless, of course, if Claire's ever not on here. It's because I'm an idiot and have somehow messed up my schedule like last week. Claire texting me, are you alive? And I was like, happen. Oh, don't worry. Don't worry. That one was bad because I didn't even, <laughs> I, normally I inform you. I'm like, hey, Claire, I can't do it today. You just texted me like, are you alive? And I was like, oh, God, today's Thursday. <laughs> like, didn't even know. I was like, oh, God in heaven. But no worries. No worries. It's okay. This is why I love having you, Claire. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. I will send you the episode later when it's up. And okay. I can't wait to chat again. Sounds good. Thank Catch you, so you next week. Have a good one. Recording God bless, God bless America. Stay safe, everybody. Peace.